Corey and Mike are back with another episode of Back to Devi. Uh, we just wrapped up conference championships, and today we will be doing our first mock draft of the 2023 offseason. I know the portal is heating up right now, but in my opinion, it's a little boring. So we're going to wait till next week to talk about the portal until we get a little more drama going on. Uh, but we need a little help today with this with this uh, mock draft. So we brought in a founder. We brought in Colin. Pew, 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 pew. Yep, there he is. All right. And uh, full disclosure, this mock was done a week ago. So we have some clarity on players not coming out to the draft. So we'll have to talk about that. And this is our first mock draft of the offseason. We will be doing more of these. I mentioned it a few episodes ago. So we're going to be doing one before, another one before the draft, the actual draft. And then we're going to do another one after the NFL draft. So don't worry about it. We will be changing. You know, we got to see what the Senior Bowl says. We got to see what the, the combine comes out as. But let's just move on. Corey with the news. Yeah, so with news around this area anyways, it's mostly transfer portal and we're looking at who's returning and who's declaring. So uh, with that in mind, uh, we're going to head over to Washington where quarterback Michael Penix uh, has decided to return for the season, had a great season last year or uh, this uh, past year. Um, thought he might kind of take that year and run for it and see what he could do in the draft, but uh, he ends up returning. Probably going to have another great year there. I also wonder if that means some of those wide receivers are going to return and Jalen McMillan and Romo Dunze, but uh, we'll end up seeing what happens there. Um, over to Arizona, where wide receiver Jacob Cowing is also going to return. Uh, probably another good year there with that offense. And probably the biggest one here is uh, LSU wide receiver Keishon Butte has decided to return after a little bit of a, uh, an up and down year this year, kind of struggling with the adjustment with the uh, Brian Kelly coming in to take over that program. Uh, I kind of wanted to ask you guys what your overall feelings is on this. Does he move up for you? Does he move down for you? Do you think I think he can rebound here? For me, I don't really move him anywhere in my rankings. I, I actually want to know here what Colin's going to do next year with him. But for the 2024, I think I'm putting him right behind Marvin Harrison Jr. So he's still going to be my wide receiver two. He wide receiver one discussion. I'm not really dropping him down. Uh I mean, analysts, we've just been taking a hit lately with COVID eligibility. We've talked about it before. Early declared just doesn't matter as much lately with all these new rules with transfer portal and everything like that. So I'm not really worried about his debut value. I'm just upset that he's not going to the NFL sooner. He was my wide receiver one, you know, and I, I was scheming a lot of leagues to get like that that second or third overall pick so I can scoop him up. And that's that plan is out the window now. And I guess I'm going to get getting Quinton Johnson now. But <laughs> Colin, what do you think? I was told to shut up until the draft. <laughs> well, so, you have my permission to oh, speak. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm allowed to talk? Oh, okay. Yeah, we aren't awesome okay. here, man. We have okay. fun. <laughs> we, we know that all okay. the time. Um, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It's, it's disappointing that he's coming back because I think that he was going to be a screaming value in this draft. You're talking about yeah. buying the the one, two, the one, three in your rookie pit, drafts to be able to scoop him up. Honestly, I mean, you'll see in this draft, you can get him a much later than that. You could have got him. In, in a mid round pick here. So I don't think, and I don't think that's going to be the case in 2024. The class just isn't quite as deep. It is a little bit more quarterback heavy. So, you know, we'll probably see some quarterbacks go at the top of the draft, but then after that, it's a little bit more unsettled. So I think, you know, you could see him go in that 104, 105 range. Whereas in this mock, um, you know, he went a little bit later than that. And I've been seeing him go later and later uh, all like as the season progressed. So, the, the bargain might not be there next year because I do think he'll have a nice bounce back here. Uh, he seems ready to, to lock in and run it back, but he's got to get a little bit better quarterback play. Yeah. And with the, with kind of like how unsettled the 2024 class is, he could essentially be right back at the top there. And like you're saying, he could 
cost a lot more to buy next year. Now you're looking at maybe a top four pick that he might end up being next year. So who knows there? Um, and it's a good point that, that Mike brought up too about um, kind of analytics taking a little bit of a hit here. And we, even the NIL, I mean, what if he got an NIL deal to return or whatever? You know, a lot of these guys are getting money now where it gives them more incentive to return for that senior season. Um, so we could be seeing a lot more guys be later declares and maybe it might not be something, but obviously we're not even able to make sense of that or quantify it for a couple of years from now. So we deal with what we can right in front of us. And for me, he's probably going to be up there too, probably about a top three guy. So, um, love him. I, he probably it was still a top three guy for me this year anyways, regardless. So <laughs> yeah, I, I love the kid. I think, I think he'll be fine. Um, moving on here with the news though. Um, only one hire, coaching hire that I want to talk about. Obviously, everybody's talking about it. Um, Colorado went and hired uh, primetime, former uh, Hall of Fame cornerback uh, in the NFL, Deion Sanders. Uh, he had that video recently this week where he pretty much told kids, hey, you guys better either show up and show out, or I got kids coming in, they're going to take your places. Uh, and if you're not ready for it, you pretty much better hit the, hit the transfer portal because uh, I'm going to have guys that are going to be ready to bounce in those places. So I kind of love the attitude he came in with it. Kind of was honest right off the bat, just telling guys right away, hey, it's, it's show up or show out or get out. Like it hasn't been right up until now and something needs to change. So kind of like where he was headed with that. Um, headed over to the NFL draft now, just looking at a few declares from this past week. We we had uh, Maryland wide receiver Dante Demas uh, ended up declaring for the draft. Kind of don't know what to do with him. I'm not sure what his draft value is right now. He's probably a day three pick at best. Uh, had a pretty okay year coming off of the injury kind of expected as well slowly working himself back up he could be a value for somebody because he was kind of having a great year the year before that so we'll kind of see what happens there um devon a chain from uh texas a&m running back over there ended up uh declaring this this week as well actually just yesterday or today or something like that i, I believe he just declared so he's going to be one of the most polarizing guys in this draft smaller guy but actually Kind of a kind of a great running back, so we'll kind of see what happens there. Another small guy, Houston wide receiver Nathaniel, Nathaniel Dell, also declared for the draft. Another guy that's going to be kind of polarizing. People are going to be high on him, and then people are going to completely write him off for being that sub 160 pounds he is as well. And then probably right. the most polarizing. Well, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I said damn right. I'm going to write him off. Yeah, uh, probably the most polarizing player of this entire draft is going to be a quarterback from Florida and Anthony Richardson, who declared for the draft this week as well. For me, he is firmly entrenched as my QB3 right now, just because of the upside he presents. Um, I want to take it to you guys, though, to get your opinion on that. Yeah, so he's also my QB3 here. And uh, I tweeted this out before, too. I mean, he's got... He's a project. He definitely is. But there's no reason that he can't do what Justin Fields is doing right now on the field. Like he can run like that on the field. So if rushing upside is kind of where I'm going. Uh, so I, I do like him as my QB three. But also, um, there's been like a shift in coaches here. I feel like in the early 2000s, probably like 2000, 2015, we've seen a lot of coaches try to draft quarterbacks and make those quarterbacks fit their system. And now I think we're seeing a lot of the opposite where coaches are building around their quarterback. We saw it with Lamar. I think Lamar is probably the first real example of it. Uh, Jalen Hurts, Nick Sirianni came in trying to make him throw like the Patriots system for four weeks. And then you can see his average attempts per game change from week five on where they started actually being like, all right, well, we're going to build the offense around Jalen Hurts. And we've seen that's going really well. And I think Justin Fields now, it's like almost the same thing too. Cause, uh, he didn't run like that in college. I mean, and now they're like, all right, this is who you are now. This is what we're going to do from now on and figure out along the way. So I, I think I'm not too worried about Richardson as long as he goes to a coach that's going to build around him, which is, I think it's the kind of the new trend nowadays. Yeah, I think it is. We are starting to see coaches. 
adapt their scheme more to players' skill sets. And I think that's to the benefit of guys like Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Anthony Richardson, guys who were elite high-level athletes that can stretch and stress the defense in a number of different ways beyond just with their arm, beyond just, you know, the Drew Brees throwing the ball all over the yard kind of a guy. And Anthony Richardson is going to need to go to a coach like that, but he's absolutely the QB three in this class. There is nobody else in this class that one has the ceiling that he does. And two, there's nobody else besides young Stroud and maybe Richardson that I believe in as being a potential long-term NFL starter. We need a lot of development from Richardson. I'm not there yet. He's going to have to go to a place where he can sit for at least one full year, but he's so tantalizing with that upside. He did get better as the season progressed. I almost would have liked to see him go back and go somewhere else for another year and learn in college under, you know, like a real system, not the Billy Napier system. But I understand why he's coming out now, because if you're going to learn, you may as well do it in the NFL. So absolutely the QB three here. Yeah, like I kind of just want to see if anybody was going to push for a Will Levis because I know that uh, that Kentucky boy <laughs> over there, the... Mike. You know, if it... <laughs> no, absolutely not. I'm glad nobody did. Um, I generally agree too, and I like I like the idea of it is him kind of going on that Jalen Hurts route. So Jalen Hurts started like the last four games of his rookie season, um, then played in a, a system kind of tailored to his, his strength. He ran a little bit more. Reads were cut down to like half the field, so he wasn't having to read the full thing. And now this year, third year in, we're kind of seeing everything expand a little bit more. And that could kind of be the plan you put a guy like Anthony Richardson on, you know, and build the offense around his strength. So, yeah, uh, I agree with everything you guys are saying. QB3 for sure. I think he's probably going to end up a first-round pick if I had if I had to guess. Anyways, just based on the upside and everything and the lack of other talent that's there for me personally. Probably not like a top 15, maybe he ends up going like a 20, 25, 30 range. Someone trades in to kind of get that fifth round or that fifth year option. So um, we'll see what happens there. But he's definitely a, a QB3 for me. Um, it's almost better if he goes at the end of that first there, though, because then he's going to a team that probably has everything else in place besides the quarterback. Or yeah. they're, you know, it's like a Tom Brady situation where or they need a the bridge. Rams, dude. The Rams have just been crumbling. Do they oh, have a man. first? I don't think they do. <laughs> no, they traded away, but they were the champion, you know, and now they're, yeah. they're yeah. the There's rumors. That, I was reading today, there's rumors that McVay is thinking about moving on, too. So I don't even know what's going to happen with that team. Damn. Yeah, it's a, a lot of turnover there. But uh, anyway, speaking about turnover, okay, the transfer portal right now in the NCAA is going absolutely crazy. There is a billion names in there right now. Um, so hard to keep track of. If you guys need help keeping track of it, make sure you guys go to the C2C website where we have the tracker there that is being up to date by I got our guy here, Colin Decker. Uh, a lot of the time, I'm sure other guys in the team, but I know Colin's doing it, so I'm going to give him some props because he's sitting right here. Um, make sure you guys are going to the YouTube channel as well. The guys are doing videos on it. Check out the other podcasts. We're doing lots of talks on it. We did a big show on it last week. So um, we're not going to go too much into it here. There was a few other key names that maybe entered this. Uh, this past week um, that I just didn't want to mention. Um, we did have Jojo Earl from Alabama uh, enter the portal. We had uh, DJ Ukulele, obviously. He's entered the uh, the portal. Um, Dorian Singer, wide receiver from Arizona as well, entered the portal. And tight end from uh, South Carolina, Jaheim Bell, entered the portal. Um, any thoughts on these guys? Uh, anywhere you kind of want to see these guys go? Do you still have hope for some of these guys? Um, what are you guys thinking about this group? 
Jojo Earl is the real gem here in this whole thing. It's it's been a boring uh, transfer portal, in my opinion. Like the sheer volume is exciting. Uh, almost every single G five guy I've wanted to see hit the portal has hit the portal, except for one. Talking to you, Devontae Walker, but <laughs> everyone else has hit the portal. But as like the power five uh, receivers, I want to see switch it up. Haven't really seen it yet. I mean, you know, we're just out here listening to DJU, and you know me and Courtney only DJU. So I mean, like you know, it's not like. <laughs> It's been almost a little disappointing. It's been every ACC quarterback. Anyway, so JoJo Orlo is like the real mystery to me. And I I just want to know, like, if Corey, or you guys have any thoughts on this. So, like, I thought he was going to smash when he came back from injury because clearly Alabama had no real leader in that wide receiver room. Um, he looked great in the offseason. The reports were good. He had a good freshman year. And then he comes back and he just didn't do anything. I mean, I know he's coming back from injury, but I, I was wondering if there's more there. He hits the portal. So I, I have no idea what happened to JoJo Orlo this year. Zero clue. That that's a great question. I have no idea what happened to him either because I was kind of on the same train there. Like I was expecting him to lead that wide receiver room or at least be the number two to Burton, and then you know Burton sucked. So I was like, all right, well when when JoJo Earl comes back, he'll be more of the guy there, and he wasn't. You're right. Like we didn't. He just was non-existent. So I don't know what was going on with that. I'm kind of glad he's in the portal. Um, there's apparently a rumor, maybe Texas. I think that would be a really interesting spot for him. Yeah. I, I think he could fit really well there with, with Xavier Worthy kind of stretching the field. He can operate in the short un- intermediate area. And then it maybe takes a lot of the pressure off of him to not be the number one guy. I know a lot of people wanted him to be a, a Tyree Kill type of a guy, a Jalen Waddle, And maybe he's just not quite at that level. Maybe he's like a step below, which could still be a very good player. But it's just not somebody you're going to have be your lead wide receiver. Yeah, Felix, Felix had to post a high school clip. That's how long Spencer's seen him be a lead. <laughs> but um, yeah, Felix, Felix was really big on him too. He he really loved him from what I remember when he was when he was coming out. He's he's been ranked anywhere between wide receiver probably two for me, and in the class like wide receiver like ten, which is where he's sitting at right now. So I I just don't know what to do with him. I hope he lands somewhere good. I think he will. Um, if he goes to Texas, man, and Jonte Cook might um, his year one zero odds get a little higher. But uh, <laughs> no, I I, I want to see him go somewhere that's you know maybe maybe unc with drake may you know if drake may doesn't actually go to the portal because that could be a good josh downs replacement yeah he could be the i like that a lot yeah hey that's why i fought with felix before too i said i would take josh downs a million times over jojo earl and he argued with me like i think it was two years or whatever jojo earl was coming out it was last year two years ago yeah whatever he's arguing with me and i was like josh downs every time now he loves josh Downs, so i think he smartened up a little bit so that's good <laughs> um but yeah texas kind of interesting there because i don't know what's going on with jordan whittington either if jordan whittington decides to uh enter the nfl draft pretty interesting guy i still got a little bit of hope for whittington nothing like crazy just something that i like i kind of like the guy because like his whole story um but hopefully uh, uh it, he moves on if joe Earl decides to go there because it kind of opens up that slot role there um i did just want to mention though uh ray davis from Vanderbilt, got an oh, okay, offer okay. from Kentucky, <laughs> and Mike is so pumped about this. I know he is. How do you feel about Ray Davis being in that blue over there? I mean, we'll have we'll have the life alert on deck and senior citizens standing by. But uh, no, I, we don't have any futures at offense there. We have great pass catchers. There's no quarterback. There's no real running back core. Uh, he is he would clearly hands down be the most talented running back in that room as soon as he t- steps on campus. So I can't be mad as a fan. I really can't. And I actually do think that does help his debut profile because he goes from a team that doesn't belong in the Power Five to a team that puts in running backs in the NFL, maybe not mm-hmm. being successful, but at least they make it there. They give you the opportunity. Yeah, They have a more. very 
clear type at running back too. And I think he, Kentucky does. And I think Davis fits that. So I think he could do well there. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's kind of been a running joke on here because he really doesn't like Ray Davis that much. And then like me and Matt's kind of been our guy that we've fallen for a while. So I just wanted to throw that in there a little bit. Uh, the only other one I just recently saw is just scrolling through Twitter. I didn't notice that Dominic Richardson entered the portal as well. He wheels up for Ollie Gordon over there. Yeah, I kind of like that. Um, Ollie Gordon, the freshman running back over there. Kind of an exciting guy. Save it for next week, Corey. Okay, sorry. I'm just going through, I'm going through a list here or whatever. There's so much going on here, guys. That's why I'm saying make sure you guys are keeping it locked to CTC, the podcast feed, the YouTube feed. If you guys want any more information on this stuff, it's going to be coming out constantly. So, uh, yeah, you guys know where to look if you guys want more uh, information on that. And uh, that about wraps up the news for this week. All right, it's going into a player reaction time, all right? Uh, last week, we talked about Dorian Singer, uh, who we just mentioned in the transfer portal. I'm going to talk about um, Jaquindon Jackson here, who actually Colin talked about on his show uh, last week, but I'm going to talk about him here. Uh, he's a converted uh, quarterback. He was a top 100 player. He's six foot two, 227 pounds, so I love the size. Over the last five weeks, he has 48 carries for 387 yards and seven touchdowns that is eight yards a carry and that does include his uh conference championship so he's been playing decent games in washington state arizona oregon uh colorado you know usc but um i think he's the future's running back core i really do he's got great size athleticism as far as like what he puts on tape he's i think he has good vision he ha- definitely has some elusiveness to him he he doesn't use his off arm enough. I mean, he never stiffs arm, and he definitely has like good speed and like good opportunity to stiff arm and extend a play. Um, he doesn't, so he clearly runs not scared, but he's super ball security conscious. Like he is up and tight the whole time. So, um, but as far as an athlete goes, that's probably the best Utah athlete I've seen in a long time. So I'm really excited about the potential there. He is somebody that will be drafting. He's somebody that won't wait until the back third I'm probably, he's probably a middle third for me in drafts honestly so i think he's gonna be the future there and i think we have something special here for as far as debbie goes well i don't hate that to, at all uh, oh sorry i was just gonna say you just <laughs> had to watch tavion thomas for the last couple of years so the level of athleticism you've been watching for the past little while wasn't very high as well anyway. <laughs> but go ahead call it you can go ahead yeah i mean i don't i don't hate that at all like you said so i mentioned him as like a, a footnote in in our show uh on last week on, on campus life and then mike the next day comes in he's like yo nobody's talking about Quentin jackson <laughs> you guys called him out right away in the chat too, really. <laughs> yeah um, i was behind i was behind i wasn't i was like that's all good uh no i, I like the call man i mean he, he you, you mentioned he doesn't really like run with like a stiff arm he kind of runs super ball secure and he runs like a former quarterback which yeah. is, is what he is so as he continues to develop at the running back position because he didn't start the season as a running back either. So I think if he gets a full off season as the running back, this absolutely could be the guy at at Utah. And we know we like Utah running backs for, especially for C2C purposes, you know, uh, for production in college, but they also get drafted. I mean, Zach Moss got drafted and, you know, say what you want about where he is now, but I think Tavian Thomas could, get drafted there as well at some point. And he'll probably be more of a day three guy, but he's uh, he's on his second team. Not a lot of running backs can say that. Yeah. Exactly. That's so true. I keep going back to this Utah well too. I mean, I tried it with Micah Bernard, I think two years ago or last year. Or, yeah. Two years ago, hoping that he was going to be the guy ended up being Tavion Thomas. Now last year I picked up Jalen Glover, hoping he was going to be the next guy. Now it's going to be Quinton Jackson. It looks like, so I can't get luck with this group, but you want the guy, but I just can't nail the right guys. <laughs> that part of it is bugging me a little bit, but I do like what I've seen from 
I put in my notes too. He showed a level of vision that I didn't really expect to see from a, a converted quarterback playing like his first action as running back. Like, and I know that he ran as a quarterback, so obviously that helps as well. But there's something different about having to like line up in the I formation or behind the quarterback, taking the handoff and like approaching the line and having to decipher that once you get to it, right? Not just waiting for things to open up and then breaking or read option, running into a wide open wide uh, out wide or something like that off the tackle. So I think there is something to that, and I think he he's done well in this. It's a nice transition for him. This is a guy who was. Uh, four six one as a recruit as well, which I think is actually pretty good. Um, these things tend to get better in their time in college, so uh, that's something that we're probably looking at a four five high four four athlete at that size six two two hundred and twenty seven two hundred thirty pounds. He's probably going to be by the time he gets to the NFL. So I really do like that as well. And like Colin was saying, he, he really didn't get much work till the, this last like five weeks of the season. Um, in the last five weeks, over 100 rushing yards in three of them. Seven of his total eight touchdowns of the year came in this stretch as well. It's been the big play threat. We pretty much saw him ice the game uh, versus USC in the conference championship. So, yeah, I, I really think this, there's something here. There's something notable here that, that we need to take a closer look at for sure. Um, moving on to uh, a guy I just wanted to react to, and I just wanted to see uh, kind of um, any reactions to this. I, I want to talk about Drake May over at the North Carolina now. Um, I think the season not so strong area. Three poor performances um, over these last three weeks. Uh, 703 yards total, one passing touchdown, four interceptions, and 12 sacks. That's just passing. Um, and he had 69 rushing yards and two touchdowns uh, in the last three games. So kind of suffered. This is a guy who was averaging 340 passing yards, uh, 3.4 passing touchdowns a game till this stretch, uh, only threw three interceptions over the first 10 games and already threw four here. So he's averaging over 50 rushing yards a game. So I don't know what to make of this. Do you, do you guys think it's notable when he, this guy kind of hits a wall like this? Our team's figuring him out. Do you guys think he's kind of dealing with an injury? Like I personally can't think of anything that changed in his surrounding to kind of give the excuses for this. So I like overall, I'm not really worried, but I think it's something to kind of keep an eye on, seeing how we kind of hit this wall here at the end of the season. Yeah, I absolutely think there's a little bit to be worried about. I mean, I'm not, I'm not panicking on it. Um, the, his the two best defenses he played all year, NC State, Clemson, were two of the games where he struggled in. Uh, Georgia Tech, I have no idea what happened to UNC in that mm -hmm. game. That was just uh, that was a, a bizarre game. But he struggled against NC State, very good defense. Struggled against Clemson, very good defense. Mm -hmm. So. You know, it's not like he's struggling against Vanderbilt or yeah. or anybody else like that. So I, I'm willing to give him a pass here in his first year starting. Obviously, you want to see him do well against the the two best defenses he plays. But, um, you know, because he did get Notre Dame, but that was like earlier on in the season as well when they were still kind of figuring things out. Um, but, yeah, it, it was definitely concerning with the interceptions and the sacks. I think we saw his rushing yardage kind of come back down to like a more normal level. Like that's kind of more what I would expect to see overall from him. But first year starting for him. And I think that he showed a lot of promise. He showed some things he needs to improve on, which, you know, I mentioned that on the tailgate when it was just me, Felix and Matt, and they both like laughed and ridiculed me over here. So, you know, uh, I just want to say who's getting the last lap on this one, <laughs> but he, he showed, he showed really well just has some things he needs to work on heading into the next year. I need to check the injury reports because it was clear that the offensive line was terrible, but uh, it got a little worse mm -hmm. in the back half. And I wasn't really sure if it was because of player switchups. Um, and I just pulled up his pressure stats too. And there is a noticeable hike and even more pressures following the Miami Florida game. So maybe I gotta check that out. But um, I thought that he faced increased pressure. So, and they just, they just got to get him eventually, you know, can't run around forever.
So my reaction player here, uh, Malik Neighbors, the other wide receiver at LSU. And, you know, maybe maybe he shouldn't be. Uh, I mean, in the game against Georgia where, you know, LSU kind of got blown out in that one. But in that game, he went five for 128 in a touchdown. So he's he's playing well against good competition. Uh, he's a former four star guy, you know, not a not a high four star that he was the third uh, third ranked third highest ranked in that recruiting class behind um, Brian Thomas Jr. I cannot remember the other one at this moment, but he climbed that depth. Oh, Deion Smith and Chris Hilton. Actually, he was fourth, mm-hmm. um, but he climbed the depth chart quickly. He had a nice freshman year last year, hit all eight, I believe, of the uh, year one zero thresholds mm-hmm. or at least seven of the eight. So really nice freshman year. But and Corey, I was looking this up, uh, you know, before the show, because I wanted to talk about him. You wrote the Debbie profile on him and you brought mm-hmm. up a really good point. You know, it was kind of concerning about his slot usage. I think it was like 90 percent last year. This year uh, he started off in the slot and then just like week five or six just transitioned out wide. So 36 percent slot percentage on the year, 64 percent out wide. And it was 50 50 on right versus left. So he's versatile. They're moving him around. Um, he's six foot 195. So he's already got good size and his advanced metrics look pretty good too. 1.93 yard receiving yards per team pass attempt, which is above Jarek's magic line of the average for wide receivers to hit a top 24 season in the NFL. Um, 2.23 yards per route run 11.7 a dot. So he's doing a lot of work deep downfield. Uh, another concern you highlighted in your profile was that he had a lot of drops last year. Mm-hmm. Um, only three drop credited, only credited with three drops that, this year. So seems like that improved and 17 missed force tackles too. So he's a threat after the catch. He can do it deep. He can operate in all, like all three inner areas of the field. Well, uh, Malik neighbors is a guy that we're going to need to watch and pay attention to next year. It's just a shame that LSU is going to have two really good receivers and not a good quarterback. Yeah. And he was a guy who had a lot, a lot of praise last spring too, especially while Butte was down, he was getting a lot of those good camp reports because Butte was kind of recovering from this stuff. And like you said, I wrote the Debbie profile file for him. And from doing that and watching him, I actually, of course I got to write the negatives to it. I got to, I got to lay everything out for everybody, but I also saw him as like a potential big writer for this year. If you look at an article uh, that I wrote last off season for CGC, he was one of the guys that I said was possibly a sleeper to climb into that top 50 of picks, uh, going into the next year and i honestly think he's going to be that coming into next year too i think it's going to take a while people are going to kind of think about it a little more this off year this offseason he's probably going to jump in there you know and we're kind of going to have to see who's going to be the quarterback at lsu i don't know if jane daniels can even return i don't even know if he has a year of eligibility left he does he yeah he's got one left colin's pointing at me so he's got one left he can return there maybe this is going to aid him too he's got Butte coming back he's got neighbors still there it's probably going to be their show in 2023 i currently have him as a top 30 debut wide receiver and that's with the 2023 class still included. So once I take those guys out, he's probably going to be pretty up there for me. I just moved him, at, like looking into this, I actually just moved him up to, I think, 22. He was mm-hmm. sitting like right around 30 for me too. But I had him jump a couple of guys in there that, you know, Parker Washington was in there yeah. that he jumped. Um, Rakeem Jarrett was in there that he jumped. So a couple of guys like that. So I, I definitely think he's a riser. I have him at 13 overall. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I thought cause I was gonna come Mike's here. And like, say, Where do you guys got him yeah, in the in his class? Yeah, Mike's he's, like, he's... you guys are late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was about to ask you guys where you guys had him in his class because uh, with Butte coming in, I now have him as my wide receiver five in the class, and I was, I think mean, I've been sitting there for like at least half the year now. Um, 
But and this is I, coming from the guy who gave me shit early on when I wrote this piece about him. And when he <laughs> dropped those two puns in week one, he was yeah, I mean, I was just like, damn, this guy, this guy sucks. <laughs> Gotta stay strong, um, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So I, I have him at 13 overall because I just did my rankings, uh, redid them last night. I haven't put him on the website yet. I'm just trying to get them all organized. But he's he was the top of my tier two for the 2024 class, which is wide receiver five for me. So I got him in front of Bo. Troy Franklin book Brooks. So I like it. Yeah. You guys, I guess you guys aren't there yet, but I guess we'll talk about them. When um, we go. Yeah. I'm moving. We, we got to do a lot of movement this offseason. Like this is kind of the time we really go back to the film and look at stuff, analyze stuff a little bit more. We're watching live. We're kind of just enjoying it during the season. This is kind of the time where I buckle down and start really separating things and looking at film. So I think the great things are going to change a lot, a lot in the next couple of months. Yeah, All especially because right. of the transfer portal, too. Oh, God, that, too. Yeah, so many <laughs> factors nowadays. All right, we're, we are at the 29-minute mark. Let's get into this mock draft, all right? <laughs> Let's go. Uh, this is Superflex Titan Premium for everyone listening. Superflex is the standard now for the industry. So if you're doing standard scoring, get with the times, all right? We're doing Superflex <laughs> PPR, Titan Premium. Uh, Colin, you want to start us off with a 101? Yeah. Yeah, you guys were generous enough to ask me on the show after I complained multiple times uh, on the podcast and behind closed doors. So good to be on here. I appreciate that, guys. Gave me the one-one as well. Very generous co-hosts. Um, yeah, Bijan Robinson. Duh. That's this bold, is man. That's just bold. a home run. Yeah. Home run. Easy. <laughs> Next. All right. Well. Yeah. Yeah. We will move on. Actually, and. You know, it's okay, Conks. We're used to saying no to people. We are Debbie influencers. So, you know, plenty of people are constantly bothering us. So don't worry. <laughs> about it. But at the 102, I will be taking my QB1, which is Bryce Young. Now, the reason why I have Bryce Young there and not CJ Stroud is because I've just seen more consistent play out of Bryce Young. Bryce Young is a quarterback that's elevated his offense. Usually Alabama is such a complete team. This is the first year we have seen them struggle with wide receivers and just struggle overall. But Bryce Young week in and week out delivered performances after performance. So I have him up because I don't, I think he's going to have the faster adjustment to the NFL level than the NFL speed. Um, as far as like comps go, I have him at like actually like a Russell Wilson comp. So I really think he's going to develop well, be able to elude coverage. He's really not scheme dependent. He doesn't need to sit behind a, he doesn't need to sit behind a good offensive line. Like Mac Jones does. Like he can go somewhere with a mediocre line and make it work. So Bryce Young, cause I think he, Transition's better. I'm not really sure about which one has a higher ceiling, but I think he gets to the field faster. All right, and then 103, I'm going to go with my quarterback one, and that's going to be C.J. Stroud. Um, now, a few things you wrote down this sheet beforehand when I was looking at it. You know, you wrote down, you know, you felt C.J. Stroud had been consistent, struggles against pressure, uh, you know, surrounded by too much talent, doesn't face adversity. So, you know, I kind of had to go and look and see because my my general feeling wasn't this right so i want you to go and look at the pressure stats on pff right so you're looking at shroud when blitz and brace when blitz. shroud when he's blitz 67 percent of the time and he threw 18 touchdowns or uh, he had 67 percent completion percentage when he was blitzed 18 touchdowns one interception bryce when he was blitzed 55 percent completion percentage 15 touchdowns two interceptions pretty similar little bit of a lean towards shroud there now shroud under pressure 40% completion percentage, five touchdowns, two interceptions. Bryce under pressure, 42% completion percentage, 72, seven touchdowns, three interceptions. Slightly to Bryce there, but again, very similar. So I don't see a huge difference there in between how they're acting when they're blitzed. They both are blitzed on a pretty similar amount of times as well. 35% of the time of dropbacks, they were blitzed each of them. 
So uh, uh, the same sample size to read from. Uh, Stroud was a little less under pressure, 21% compared to Bryce. Um, so maybe a little bit of a lean there towards Bryce uh, there, but it's still very similar. Now, the adversity was the big one here because you want to talk about their schedules. And you, you'd think on the top of your head that Alabama plays, you know, harder schedules, harder teams, whatever. But looking at this, C.J. Stroud played seven teams who finished within the top 50 of passing defense. This was six teams also that were in the top 30. It was Michigan, Penn State, Notre Dame, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Toledo. Now, Bryce only played against three teams ranked in the top 50. And only one uh, was ranked inside the top 30, which was Utah State, which was like week one, which is like I barely even include that. Okay. So, like, so CJ Stroud is definitely playing the tougher competition. What okay, supporting both, cast does CJ Stroud both, have? How many first, first round draft picks are that? Roster. Roster. It doesn't matter if they're underperforming. Both are surrounded by four and five star talent. No, no. Talent, yeah, talent. I'm right, sorry. I should have said how how are the skill position players because talent is like that's pedigree coming out. They are now like third year players, second year players. That's now need to be skill. It doesn't matter if they skills. don't show up. I mean, they they got the same pedigree, the same pedigree. Corey Brooks players. wasn't. They had to go to the backyard and grab Corey Brooks out of the doghouse <laughs> and get him on the field because Jermaine Burton didn't know how to play football. And still the same level. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, and then you're talking. Okay. And then you want to talk about NFL transition. Bryce Young is listed under 200 pounds. Tell me the list of quarterbacks who have succeeded at the NFL level under 200 pounds. Go ahead. I'll wait. I'll wait. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's 205 pounds. <laughs> no way. Yes, he is. Look it up. He's lying. He's lying. He's 205 yeah. pounds. Look I've it seen up. him on it's screen, those, dude. He's it's, it's, all those, it's all those Cheetos as he's gaming. <laughs> yeah. Corey literally pounding the table over here. For <laughs> yeah. some oh, oh, okay. No, this is the only one that I really wanted to get at because I do really believe C.J. Stroud is – I will say it like this. He's the safer pick. To me, there's not a real reason for me to pick Bryce Young over him unless I want to bet on somebody beating some of those uh, beating some of those things in the past that told us that we shouldn't be betting on these guys. So, like, to me, C.J. Stroud seems like a safer pick to me. And I know, like, C.J. Stroud needs to, I don't, I think C.J. Stroud needs to learn more about progressions and stuff. I just, I just, I've watched Bryce Young struggle so hard because his team is just holding him back, but he still makes plays where C.J. Stroud's like, oh, I got an all-star here at this corner of the field. I got an all-star behind me. I got an all-star over you. He has such I, a good I, cast of weapons that it's like it's almost effortless. I mean, it really I will. Just, I, I'll give you that. And I even said I even said some of the same things about Justin Fields after the first year um, when, you know, on different podcasts or whatever. I said, you know, you've got guys, you know, running wide open against big, some of those big 10 defenses and you, a five star talent running wide open. It's a little bit e- it's easier. Some of the, and then when you get to the NFL level, the coverage is so much tighter. It kind of shocks you when you initially first get there. So I do see some of that, but I just don't. But with everything else that's lined up here, like I just don't see why Bryce would be so much ahead of Caesar. And really, we're not. We're debating because we're for the sake of the being. They're probably in a tier for a lot of people as they should be. Um, I just wanted to get a little crazy and uh, make my bid for CJ Stroud here. So let's move on here to 104 to call it and give us your guy because I would. Uh, I actually have Bryce Young as my QB one, but we'll move on here. Um, I took Jameer. Two people Gibbs. wrong in the same room. Who would have thought? <laughs> Um, I'll take Jameer Gibbs here at the 104. And again, I think this is pretty, uh, pretty easy. I think this is pretty much chalk how I would have gone with these first four picks. Um, Jameer Gibbs, he showed what we needed to see this year from running between the tackles standpoint. He looked a lot better doing that. Uh, we already know he's a very good pass catcher. We know he's a good athlete. So I think he's answered a lot of the questions this year. I think we're looking at it. Aaron Jones type of a player maybe even Alvin Kamara, and that's just a very valuable option for fantasy. I think it'll be a little bit dependent on where he goes because I want uh, him to 
go to a system or a team that doesn't already have like a bell cow attached because I could see somebody wanting a team wanting to use him more as a pass catcher and not unleash him uh, in all three phases. Not all three phases, all three downs. Um, we'll see him play defense too, I guess. <laughs> um, I want to see them use on all three downs, but even if he's not, I think he has a pretty nice fantasy uh, floor as a pass catcher. Yeah. Before yeah. I get to my pick too, I know people speculate what his size is. I think he's 200 pounds. I'm really not worried about it. Cause I know in the off season they train. I mean, it's kind of like some fake muscle cause they'll, they'll lose it as soon as the combine's done. Like they just don't care anymore for that. Um, but he'll, I think he can put on five pounds the offseason. But I really think he's actually playing at 200. I don't think he's anything lower than that. Um, but going on to my next one here, at the 105, I am taking Zach Evans running back from Ole Miss. Uh, Zach Evans is a uh, five-star RB2 in his class. Uh, he's been – he gets hurt, and then he doesn't take any chances on, like, having his body get hurt further. So he's been – if people have durability concerns, I think they're warranted because uh, you just haven't seen him play like a full a full season. But he's shown us enough as a pure rusher that like if he if he got like Bijan's workload, I think we might be talking about them in the same conversation. We just haven't, so we can't. I'm not trying to go there and do all this hypothetical what ifs. But he's that special of a runner, and I think he's good enough as a pass catcher too. I mean, he really could have been. He's like the forgotten man. I think he's going to be the steal in first round draft because I think people are going to let him fall to like the late first. But this guy could be. An RB1 the next level. All three of these guys have RB1 written all over them to me at the next level. So, yeah, and you, I, I was just say they, Bijan and Zach Evans were talked about in the same breath as, as recruits when they were coming out. They were both very high five star, very high, highly thought of. Um, you, like you talked about with Zach Evans, you know, injury concerns. I almost think it's a little bit more of, I don't want to say like effort. But I feel like he's just Dedication. saving himself. Yeah, I feel like he's just saving himself for the NFL. Yeah. Like he wanted to go to Ole Miss, where he, you know he would be splitting a backfield with somebody because they had been splitting the backfield for the past like two years under Kiffin. So he wanted that, and you know we saw him get banged up a little bit, and he's like, ah, oh, you know what? Let's maybe he was like, let's go let Quinshawn Judkins uh, go run for 200 yards. I'm good. So I don't know. That's my concern. Yeah, no, and you kind of took it, you you took the words out of my mouth. That was my only take was that for some reason, it's like, I don't even know if it was injuries all the time or if this guy just somehow, there was rumors that he was always had an eye towards the NFL. He's always kind of saving himself, even when he was back at TCU and he would get the injury and then it would take so long to get back. And that's even how I found a guy like Andre Miller because he was out of the lineup so damn much that we saw Andre Miller play a bunch last year when Zach Evans was out. And so uh, I do understand that part of it, but I do see some special traits there as well, like Mike is saying from, from a rushing standpoint. So, um, and he could come at more of a value than this 105. I know that this is probably the pick for him with much sharp guys like us in this room, but there's going to be people out there who go, well, he was overshadowed by Judkins and he didn't get all the production. And why is this? And why is that? Why is he banged up all the time? So uh, I think he could come at a value, maybe even late on this draft, especially if my guy here that I'm going to go pick at 106 gets taken in the top 10 with wide receiver Quentin Johnston, who I think probably has a chance to be in the top 10 and will probably hop into that into Zach Evans' spot right there at 105 if he goes in the top 10. I just think he's probably going to be the first wide receiver taken. Uh, we're talking about a rare rare package of size and athleticism. Um, he can be a bit inconsistent at times. We've seen it. You know, he played pretty much a disappearing act the first five weeks of the season, then ended up coming back out of nowhere. Um, I would also like to see him be more physical. He, he's kind of more of a finesse guy, kind of like that Martavis Bryant-esque type player. 
Um, but I just see a potential of the alpha in the making with this guy. And like, like I said, like mock draft database has him as a top 10 pick right now. I think they have him at like number eight, first five wide receiver off the board, top 10 pick. So if that happens, he's going to be a slam dunk in your rookie drafts. Um, I mean, we even look at last year with London, uh, Drake London, he was probably the wide receiver, like four, six for a lot of people. Then the draft came along. And right after that, he was like one or two really quickly so i mean we like to say the landing spot doesn't matter and who goes first sometimes doesn't matter as long as they get the, the draft capital but it does matter at the end of the day i really think it doesn't he's probably going to end up being the number one guy in this draft class um with the questions around uh, jsn and we'll get to him later to talk about it. so uh yeah one, 106 i'm going with quentin johnson at tc yeah i mean i like that pick there i don't see anything wrong with that i think he's definitely a first round wide receiver um and, you know, top 10, we're seeing receivers go that early now. So I definitely think that that's a possibility. Uh, 107, I took my wide receiver one in the class, Kayshawn Boutte. Now, this was before he announced he was going back to school. He's going back to school here. I think that's a really interesting decision for him to go back. I'm assuming if he went back, he did not get a first round grade from the draft advisory board. I'm assuming he probably got like an early second ground grade, or, or I think they break it down by first round, second round, um, third, and then like just day three or something like that. I'm not exactly sure how they break it down, but. Or he got that NIL money. I, that definitely <laughs> helps too. I'm sure that definitely helps. So got the, got the bag from NIL. He's going to go back, try and rehab his draft stock. Uh, I don't know if he'll actually be able to, I don't know how just, uh, Brian Kelly offenses just don't really feature wide receivers that well. So I don't know if he's going to get back to that level that we thought of him as after his freshman year, you know, in, into his sophomore year as well. But as a player, I still think he's the best wide receiver in this draft class. It'll be him and Marvin Harrison Jr. at the top there next year. I would probably take him and, you know, we were talking a little bit about it pre-show the 2024 draft here with him. You know, we'll, we'll see where he ends up going. I think it'll probably be in this, you know, five, six range because the class next year is not quite as deep, especially at receiver at this point. So he'll be my wide receiver one or two off the board. Uh, and then I'll, t I would take him in this range next year as well. So my one Oh eight, I went JSN. Uh, JSN to me is a super high level technician. I think he's better than Mecca Abuka. I know he's not there on the field right now, but I think it's just a, I actually don't know what's going on behind the scenes. <laughs> I think he could just, I get the term now is quiet quitting. So I think he's just like, I secure the bag and I'm just going to keep leading on people, but I really am just saving myself. Anyway, I'm not worried about him as a player. I think he's elite. Um, he's not going to test very high in the con in the combine. So I'm not really worried about that. So I'm, I'm sure there's going to be overreaction Twitter where they come out and they're like, Oh wow, he ran a four, six. I didn't think he was that slow. And it's like, well, he is, he's a four, six guy. So um, anyway, High-level technician, he's going to go somewhere. He's a possession guy, which is a PPR monster. Um, people drafting him, like real-life NFL teams drafting him, should know that that's what type of player he is and want to feature him in that role. Um, man, I'm really hoping he just goes and just replaces Keenan Allen. So, But anyway, <laughs> JSN, <laughs> JSN the 107, at the 108 for me and uh, feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, he would be a perfect Keenan Allen replacement. So, I mean, if, if you read Twitter enough over the last, like, month or two months even throughout this whole season you'd pretty much think that jsn was a slow slot only wide receiver who's often injured and quit on his team in the playoffs so you might be able to get him at, you might be able to get him at a value at this none of that stuff is true but i'm just saying there's a lot of overreaction going on right now so uh he's gonna be just fine he's a he's a tier one wide receiver he's a guy um 109 here maybe the first surprise of the draft 
because I took him over the guy that Colin Decker took him last. But anybody who knows me knows that I was going to take this guy. And I'm taking 109. I'm taking Josh Downs in North Carolina. This guy's just a really exciting guy to me. Um, the speed, versatility, open field ability, uh, the hands, the ball tracking. Um, he was a lot in the slot in his first uh, in his first big year there uh, as a sophomore with uh, North Carolina. We did see him more on the outside this year, which I did like to see 20% of the time compared to 2% last year. Um, I will admit there's a range of outcomes for a guy like this, right? Like, does he get pigeon, pigeonholed by a, new, by a, a certain staff into like a Rondale Moore type role? Or can he be more of a Jaden Waddle type, which is what I kind of like to think he can be as a more traditional wide receiver. I see a lot of the, the down the field stuff, the ball tracking, everything he can do, like, and the speed to go with it just makes me think about that. I think that's in his wheelhouse. Um, so if there's one guy that can become a Waddle-like player in this draft, to me, it's Josh Downs. So that's what I'm taking here at 109. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Downs here at that pick. If you didn't take him at 109, he was probably going to be my pick at 110 there. Downs does a lot of things well, but like you said, that the worry is that he maybe gets pigeonholed into a specific role that isn't quite as valuable for fantasy. So we'll have to see where he ends up. Whereas the guy I took at 110, Jordan Addison, uh, wide receiver of USC, I think he's a lot more system independent. I think he can succeed in a couple of different roles. Now, we saw him at Pitt put up Bolitnikoff type le winning levels. Uh, then he goes to USC, starts off the year pretty hot, and then gets banged up and just kind of faded down the stretch. People at one point were talking about him as easy, the wide receiver one in this class. JSN hurt, not athletic. Keishon Boutte not doing anything this year, still struggling to come back from that injury. And then they're so they're propping up Jordan Addison and now falls of the 110 so that just shows you the depth of this class and the differing opinions of this class and how much things have changed but i love this pick here i think he's a first round wide receiver as well uh so anytime you can get a, a wide receiver goes in the first round at the 110 i think that's a steal yeah if you're a contender and you get like one of these guys at the 110 like you gotta be feeling pretty good about yourself because mm -hmm. there are people calling both of these guys wide receiver ones in the class the whole the whole top five well four now actually the whole top four wide receivers like i mean you should feel good about getting any of those guys honestly like they, they are all great players um going to the 111 though i took sean tucker here he is my rb4 i am not worried about this year's production here i think this year's production is mostly just it's a new system joseph and i come from uva uva does a lot of throwing they don't do a lot of running you know and he's just not a featured piece here in this offense and i just it's just because of, of what they brought in, not because of what he is as a player. So I'm not worried about the slowed production. I think he's going to test really well. Uh, he's going to interview probably the best out of anybody here, honestly. So I think he's going to be a high-end. pleased. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think he's going to be a, a high-end pick here. And he, he's, he's one of the best pass catching backs, too, in this class. Like, I think behind, like, Gibbs and then – yeah, actually, I think behind Gibbs, I was just, like, top tier, he's probably the second in, in pass catching. Bijan's up there, too. It's, it's a lot of great workhorses here in this class. So Sean Tucker, the 111, feeling good about it. What about when he gets drafted in the, the middle of the fourth round because he went to Syracuse? It's not going to happen. That is so hey, – you, you, you guys are peddling that. Quiet. Hey, the buzz around him is surprisingly <laughs> quiet. And the, the slightly quieter this year uh, didn't help him. We know we know once the combine comes though, either gonna oh his Rascore is what? Oh my god, where has this guy yeah. been? Like he's been on You're the You're gonna talk about Rascore, my guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know how you know how nicely people work. They'll as soon as he goes to the combine, they'll be squawking and then we don't know about the interview process, but I know the coach is gonna love the interview process. So I'm not worried about his Syracuse heritage. That's just ridiculous. That's that's the most 
Oh, you're getting me heated, Colin. That's the most ridiculous <laughs> thing I've been hearing consistently across the spectrum. I can't just move on. Let's move on. I'm just All glad right, to know you listen to Campus Life and listen to me spew this stuff. <laughs> All right, moving on to 112 here. Okay, so I'm taking a guy that I'm a little bit of hedging, a little bit, a little bit still relying on the pedigree, a little bit relying on the profile. Um, this year wasn't great for Auburn. Um, so, but at 112 here, I'm taking Auburn running back, uh, Tank Bisbee. Like I was saying, the team wasn't great this year, so he kind of suffered from it as well. Um, but this is a guy who had a pretty good college career, has looked good at, at times as well. I remember I did a film review with, uh, Brandon Lejeune from, uh, the Debbie Dashboard as well. Um, one of the things we really both said was he was a guy who really excelled kind of like at the line of, tra uh, line of scrimmage, right? Like navigating traffic at the first level, which to me, in my opinion, is one, a huge trait in the NFL for a running back. You know, even if you aren't like breaking away those, those big runs and, and breaking away for uh, home runs every, every time, if you're picking up those four to six yards and a coach can trust you to pick up those four to six yards at that first level, being able to decipher that, all that traffic, you're going to get the ball a lot and they're going to like, they're going to like that. And I think Tank does that really well. Now, Talking about the second level, I do think he can create a little bit more for himself. I do think he can be a little bit more elusive on the next level. He kind of runs into guys sometimes. I kind of wanted to see him, you know, do a little bit more. We saw Robbie Ashford, the quarterback there, also take a bunch of attempts away from him this year. So there's also the question, is he actually going to declare for this draft? Will he go back this season? I'm not too sure um, what's going to happen with him. But I know he's got a lot of pedigree. He's talked about a lot by draft mix as well. I think... If I'm not mistaken, draft mock database has him at RB5 right now, even after the year that he's had. So I'm feeling pretty good about where he's going to go in the draft and the opportunity he's going to get. So I'm pretty confident with him at, here at 112. And this is my first running back of this round, which was upsetting because I'm, I'm typically a bully running back to drafter. So to only get this guy here was pretty upsetting after all these stud running backs went in front of him. So. <laughs> I just want to ask you guys a quick question. I'm, I'm just doing some narrative stuff here. Um, but Cam Akers, right? He came out. He had a terrible offensive line. There's a lot of speculation on what he is or isn't as a runner. Is this? Do you guys think this is a a parallel type of story between Tank Bigsby and Cam Akers as prospects, or am I reaching I don't, here? I don't think the line was as bad it, it, from my point of view. Like Cam Akers was getting hit behind the line like before he even freaking got the ball, man. And he was having to dance, and I think that stunted his vision once he got to the NFL because he was so used to guys in this space. He almost didn't even know how to follow the structure of a running play properly. You know, and this was, I think Camus was converted quarterback too, right? A wildcat quarterback, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, from high school. So, yeah, I think there, there's not as many similarities there, but there is the similarity where it's kind of a bad situation, kind of being, them being held back by that bad situation. Yeah, I definitely think there's a couple, some parallels you can draw there. I, I mean, I, I don't think stylistically they're very similar though. Mm -hmm. So, I, I think if you're just going narrative, yeah, just narrative, just narrative, yeah, I, I, I can see that one. All right, let's uh let's recap this first round real quick. The 101, we got B. John, 102, Bryce Young, 103, CJ Stroud, 104, Jameer Gibbs, 105, Zach Evans, 106, uh YR01 here, Quentin Johnston, 107, Kayshawn Boutte. We know he's going back. Uh 108, JSN, 109, Josh Downs, 110, Jordan Addison, 111, Sean Tucker, and 112, Tank Bigsby, and Colin give us the the 201. I mean, this is the probably the most on-brand pick uh, of the draft so far, <laughs> other than Corey with Josh Downs at, at the 109. But Zach Charbonnet here at the uh, at the 201. I mean, he's 6'1", 220 pounds. He's going to run a 4'5", I think probably a pretty low 4'5", like a 4'5'2"-ish, 4'5'3", maybe. Um, so he's going to blow up at the combine. Uh, you know, you want to you talk about RAS scores for uh, – 
Tucker. No, please don't. I just I don't like the RAS score. I don't do any of that type of stuff. Okay. Charbonnet is gonna have a great no. RAS score. Uh, he had a great year this year. You know, almost fourteen hundred yards rushing, fourteen touchdowns. He caught thirty-seven passes this year too. Um, he caught mm-hmm. over twenty-five passes last year as well. So he's not the type of running back that you're gonna deploy out in the slot. You're gonna you know have him running some routes downfield. He's not a Jameer Gibbs. He's not a DeAndre Swift. But he's also not a zero in the passing game. Like he is a guy who can play on all three downs. You can throw him the ball, and he can be reliable with it. And to get a guy that big, that fast, with that skill set at the 201, I mean, steal the draft. All right. I'm not going to agree with the steal the draft, but I do like, <laughs> I do like Zach Charbonnet. You'll, you'll see a theme throughout this, this show. <laughs> <laughs> every pick's a steal oh we're at that level um the 202 for me cedric tillman uh tennessee wide receiver he's uh alpha build here he's kind of been hurt so he really hasn't had a huge year he's kind of showed up i think he showed up like two big games so it kind of showed out for enough um the reason why i'm taking him here because i don't feel super great about this pick is that uh, this class after like the sixth or seventh wide receiver i'm really uncertain on uh there's definitely gonna be guys that are gonna raise their draft capital through the um to the senior bowl and there there can always be a surprise on draft night but as for the most part i don't like the mid and lower level of wide receivers in this draft so i'm taking Terry tillman because that's a huge a huge teardrop for me um coming in afterwards so i kind of did it a position scarcity thing here but Cedric tillman he's going to be a big guy i think he's kind of that uh michael pittman type of mold so i think that's where he can be at the next level um and yeah so i'm taking Cedric tillman aren't you mr early declare wide receiver it's just not hitting lately, man. I adjust to what's going on. Right? I'm not stubborn like that. I try to uh, I try to be fluid here. I try okay. to go with no, that's cool. I'm just I'm just glad you're taking the 27 year older. We we are doing <laughs> we are doing an apology episode uh, after New Year's because it's going to be a new year, new me. Uh, but uh, so don't worry, we will be having an accountability episode here, and there will be a lengthy apology on my part. But let's keep going. See, that's why that's why I like having Mike as as the host. He just he's, he keeps your show set up all the way into freaking February. I just show up. <laughs> that's, a, that's all I really gotta do. So. But uh, yes, I do like that pick. I said you tell me here. two or three. This one was kind of easy to me. And this is, I mean, we don't talk about tight ends very much on the show. Well, we do sometimes. But like me and me and uh, Mike are are notorious for not really giving a shit about tight ends that much, you know, attacking it on the NFL level or whatever. But this one's fairly easy. 203, I'm going to go with Notre Dame tight end Michael Mayer. He's probably going to end up a first-round pick. So if he ends up a first-round pick, he's going to be going this early, probably earlier than this, actually. Maybe, oh, I don't know. It's a great first round as well. So he's, this is probably the range around your 203 to the back of the first, somewhere around here he's probably going to go. Um, there's but yeah, all, this is there's- making- there's always some weirdo in your rookie drafts going to take a tight end in the first. So he is, he'll, yeah. he'll be going in the back at the first. Someone's going to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I have a feeling he's definitely going to do that. And it, this is just a t- tight end premium draft. So this is the only reason I'm taking him here. I don't need much more analysis than that. So uh, why don't I kick it to Colin with his 204? The real steal of the draft here at 204. <laughs> uh, Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida. We now know he is going in the NFL. When we did this, we weren't completely sure, which I think is probably why he fell to the 204. But, you know, there's words that he's not getting a first round grade. You know, he is definitely a project. We'll see if he ends up going in the back half of the first top half of the second, but either way, I think we saw with Jalen hurts that if a team drafts a guy like this and they're willing to be patient, that there's just massive fantasy upside here. And so even in, in the, 
early part of the second round, um, I, you know, he could still have that kind of a path. And this, the, 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 he is what we everybody wanted Malik Willis to be last year. The project who has this enormous ceiling. And I think a rich is, has a, a higher likelihood of hitting that. And if he hits that, like he's the type of guy who could be a QB, a top five QB for, you know, 10, 15 years. Yeah. And I just want to talk hypotheticals here because when we did this, we didn't know he was declaring. If we knew he was declaring, I think it would have taken him at the 111 over Sean Tucker. That's probably where I would have taken him. Mm-hmm. Is that you guys are in agreement around that? Neighborhood? Yeah, I, I, I probably would have taken him over Bigsby too, even though I wanted a bully running back. Yeah, the running back's kind of deep class, so I think you can let those guys pass and yeah. then get a ridge. And yeah, like I said, I'd, I'm not feeling good about the wide receivers after the top five. So yeah, I wouldn't. I don't think I would have taken him over Jordan Addison at the 110. I think the the 111 is is the right spot there. All right, let's go on to my pick. The real steal of the draft. <laughs> someone called the Italian job uh, is Kendra Miller uh, also called Condre Miller by our Northern neighbors in Canada. So Kendra Miller TCU running back. He is my RB six. And, and I'm, I'm hedging here. Cause I actually do like him and Charbonneau a lot. Like I really do. They're in the same tier with Sean Tucker and Tank Bigsby. But the reason why I have Kendra Miller, I really just decided I couldn't, I was going back and forth like all day in my head. Um, age. He's like, you know, two, two and a half years younger. So when it comes to dynasty, I'm going to get two more years over him. That's really, that's really the whole thought process. Fine. Like, is there, when I do my grades here in the off season, I imagine they're going to be like to the hundredth place, like connected together. So I, I'm going to go with Kenji Miller here as my RB six going here at a 205. And I'll feel really good about this pick. I mean, this guy, I mean, you get this guy in the mid second, you should feel good about yourself. You should feel good about yourself. And I was actually hoping that this was going to be my pick here, but it like, gets a big drop off here. Well, it gets a big drop off depending on your philosophy. All right. There's a lot of guys who are really interesting, but for me, there was a big drop off here and guys, you know, other running backs had questions for me, quarterbacks had questions for me, other wide receivers had questions for me. So I went with a guy at, uh, at 206 that it might be a surprise to some people, but I've gone down the stream before with a guy called Portland Sutton and I'm heading back to SMU to take Rashi Rice from over there. A guy who's headed to the senior bowl. Um, you know, great size in a, in a class that's lacking a great production. Um, he's got the versatility to play, to play outside or inside. Um, this guy's been getting a lot of hype in draft circles lately. Uh, going over to mock draft database, I think he's the number six wide receiver right now. And he's in front of guys like Marvin Mims. He's in front of guys like Cedric Tillman. A lot of guys have him as a late first round pick or early second round pick too. So I'm kind of buying into that as well. And if they're, if they're talking about that, we're losing guys like Keishon Booty out of the draft as well. So these guys are going to rise because of that as well. Um, you know, going to the senior bowl, he's going to be able to do some, some things there, impress uh, some of the coaching staff there. Um, Brown knows a lot of people there. Uh, SMU, like we've been talking about, it's had success in, in the draft as well. So I'm feeling pretty confident about this guy's chances of being a day two pick at worst. So I honestly, you know, I even said this in the chat when we were drafting, that I don't think his profile is that different from like Cedric Tillman, who went four picks earlier, but he's a G5 guy. So that's the big knock here, right? So, but, but anyways, I'm happy with the pick here. I think there's a massive drop off here uh, for me. Um, right around this area. I would have hoped to grab uh, Condre Miller here. So. <laughs> I, I mean, I think Rasheed Rice is, has has a chance to be a, a riser here in the in the drafts process, going to the Senior Bowl. I think he's going to test fairly well. Um, and there definitely is a drop-off at, at talent at the wide receiver position here. I mean, there's a lot of guys that you'll see going later in this draft that I think have higher upside than Rasheed Rice. But they are also guys who have a fairly major flaw or two 
in there, whether in their in their profile somewhere. And I don't think Rasheed Rice really has that. I, SMU, I don't really consider that a flaw. It's a G5 school, but it's a fairly high level G5 yeah. school. So if he gets that day two draft capital, I, I think this is a very good spot for him. I just think that Rasheed Rice is like a good wide receiver too for an NFL team. And people are acting like he could be like an alpha in the next level. And I just don't see it. I think he's going to do really well against his own coverage. And I think he's a good player. I just don't think he's has like that super high ceiling. I, I like him. I just, the people that are like projecting to be like a first round pick and I've seen mock draft where he goes to the back of the first, like that's just insane to me. I think he belongs in the mid second. I think you took him at the right spot and I'm in a hundred percent agreement. said like, there's a cliff like right here. Mm-hmm. You're going to talk about a cliff right here. And this is a guy that is probably going back to school now. So we did this draft again before this was announced, but Blake Corum. Mm. Talk about when cliffs. I, I it, it was, okay. <laughs> for the rest of the year. You know, he he gave it a go in the Ohio State game, shut it down, did not play in Purdue. He's he's done. Um, but he had a, before that, he had a really nice year. 1,400 yards, 18 touchdowns. Uh, you know, he caught he only caught 11 passes, but he caught a lot more passes last year. Um, you know, Donovan Edwards really seized the receiving game role this year. Uh, and I think that's warranted, but last year he caught 24 passes. So more than double uh, of what he did last year. So I'm not worried about his profile. The big concern everybody has is his size. He, he's like five, eight, but he's thick. Like, I believe he's like two Oh five, two, five, two ten. Yeah. I think, I think he's one ninety. I really do. I, I look at him like, yeah, I, I think I can put him in my pocket. I, <laughs> He's he's he's, tiny, ripped, he's, he's short ripped, though for he's, sure, but he's yeah. built to shit. He's like a yeah. Yeah. So I'm not really that worried about him running between the tackles. I mean, he did it against some very good defenses this year. You know, he started off slow uh, on the year where he played against UConn and Colorado State, uh, but then once he got into the heart of the Big Ten schedule, there he ripped off 800 yard games in a row against like the meat of their schedule so i'm not worried about him not worried about his size the injury obviously concerned he is going back i would assume at this point um but if he stays i'm still happy with him here at the 207 all right so colin picked fancy jared patterson uh at the 208 <laughs> i will i will be taking you're cutting it a little bit short because we're on time here the show sheet says harass colin for 15 minutes <laughs> I mean, I can, I can, I, mean, I can bring up how the other running backs are also efficient in that system, and how he's got offensive linemen constantly blocking linebackers, and sometimes yeah. even safeties downfield. I just don't. I think he's a really good college running back. I just don't see the NFL upside. Mike has consistently said on this show that every Blake Horam run he watches is an offensive line highlight, not a. Run it's an offensive line highlight. People just don't know how to do that. <laughs> uh, I I also think like sometimes that like Donovan Edwards has maybe looked a little bit more dynamic which, you know, raises questions yeah. to, towards if maybe it, he is more of just being propped by the system a little bit. But I don't know. You're a guy that you really like, Zach Charbonnet, couldn't get nothing going in this system, so I don't really know. <laughs> true. That's true. Yeah. So who knows? So, but anyways, go ahead, uh, Mike. Go yeah, okay, so the 208 here, this is this one felt a little gross, cause it, but it's super flex, so I talked myself into it. I'm taking Will Levis here. Will Levis is a project QB. And I thought maybe he actually might have first round potential because project QBs get overdrafted all the time. They didn't last year, which was great for the NFL. Good job for everyone in the NFL. But um, I'm just, I think 
he might have first round potential. And if that's the case, it depends on where he lands. Like if he goes with like Brian DeBole, like I'm going to love that. Like that's the one time I think I'm going to buy in. Um, but if uh, he's a first round quarterback, I think people are going to be hyping him up for, for after the NFL draft, no matter where he goes. And so I think if I really wanted to pull the cord on this investment, I think I'll have well over a year to do that. I mean, Trey Lance hasn't played yet. And I think he's still valued at like a two, like first round picks. He hasn't played. It's been two years. I know he's hurt and I'm, that's low hanging fruit, but quarterbacks don't seem to lose value when the fans love them that as much as they love like Will Levis. So as long as the Josh Allen comps are rolling, that's going to stick in people's heads long enough. So I'm taking Will Levis really just for return on investment purposes. I was sitting here trying to think of who the hell Bill DeBole was, but <laughs> you called me the bad pronouncer. Dable, Maggie. I'm like, who, the, who is DeBole? But I actually didn't that was, that big, that was oh, Yeah, that are... was hands down the grossest pick of the draft, but we'll move on anyway. It is, uh, it is getting to... late. You guys are dragging this stuff on. I'm getting okay, tired. I'm sorry. We'll speed it up here. At right? 209, I'm going with Texas A&M running back, Devon Chain. And this is, the, this is the point when I feel like I'm happy to take him. I think he's probably going to go earlier than this, if I would be honest especially once he drafted, once he tests and everything and with the year he's had, with the pedigree he has. And I honestly don't know what I, my expectations are for him at the next level. Like, I want to believe he's going to be a unicorn. I want to believe he's he's going to be able to run between the tackles and handle a bigger workload. But to be honest, he's probably going to be more of a spark plug earlier in his career, probably complimentary player, someone who rips off some big runs as, a, as an RB2, someone who flashes a little bit. But, but, you know, like, who knows? Maybe he develops a little bit more, like, even, like, Looking at James Cook at Buffalo this year, who was kind of in a similar bucket last year, who's getting more touches now down the stretch, is looking pretty good doing it as well. I actually think a chain is a far more superior runner to James Cook as well. Um, he's he's going to be one of the most polarizing options in this draft, but I don't doubt the draft capital and I don't doubt the opportunity he's going to get, and that's why he's a good pick here. Yeah, I love Devin Achain. I I've been I've been trying to drive the, the hype train a little bit here. You know, most of the season I. I I don't think he's going to have a problem getting to like 195. I don't think he hits 200. He's mm-hmm. about 185 right now. Now that we know he's going pro, he's going to be focusing on the NFL. I would assume he starts focusing on adding some weight rather than keeping his weight down for track. So 10 pounds of muscle in this offseason, I think would be a really good sign. If he gets to 195, now he's in a bucket with players like Jamal Charles, with CJ Spiller, with CJ2K. So there are some successes in that mold. My only concern with that is one, you're still kind of relying on an outlier and two, the game has changed since those players were, you know, dominating their backfields. The game, (laughs) the game is tending towards committee backs and you kind of have to be a little bit more special to not be a committee back. And I just, I worry that the NFL, whoever drafts him is going to see him as a spark plug, like you were saying, and not use him as a, as a bell cow. Like I think he could be used because I think he's really good between the tackles. I agree with everything you said too, because those players were like back when like shorter plaids were like the size of aircraft carriers, you know, and like <laughs> the linebackers are slow and strong, but now you got like, you know, Leonard and stuff, the athletic linebackers are in and they can, they, they're smaller and whatever. Anyway, the, it's changed. I'm just thank you for saying that because it's not enough people are You're saying welcome. that. The, the game has changed and uh these little guys can't do it. But yeah, I, I'm on every, I'm not saying they can't said, do it. But they can't do it. That's big. what Mike's saying. There's concern. <laughs> they can't do it big. <laughs> it's a concern. So, no, I, I'm with you guys on everything you guys said though. I'm 100 percent agreeance. So and it was a good pick value too there. Like if yeah. you want to take in the mid second too, like I just I can argue that. Yeah, yeah he's gonna go I mean, higher than that. 
this dude is gonna this dude could break the combine record for the 40 like he is that fast like he is puts on that weight (laughs) maybe (laughs) i mean he was James Cook ended up a first round pick in some rookie drafts last offseason. Like, yeah, is it that yeah. crazy if this guy goes early in the second round to some team that he's going to end up at that back half? Maybe well, he's not related to Dalvin Cook. So. Somebody, somebody's going to take him. Uh, no, but I thought you're right too. Like, he's his guaranteed touches. Like, as much as I talk bad about like Devin Achain, like, he is going to get his opportunity. Yeah. And so, uh, who's next here now? Call in at, at the 210. Oh. The, yeah, the, at the 210 here, uh, I'm going to take a guy that I'm still not sure is going to come out. We haven't heard anything either way, but Israel Abanaconda running back mm. for Pitt. Did I Austin, mean, is Austin holding a gun to you right now behind you off screen? Yeah, can you <laughs> see him on my shoulder? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, there's only there were only two games this year where Izzy didn't rush for over 100 yards, and it was week one against West Virginia where he was actually operating as the RB2 behind Rodney Hammond, who got hurt. They gave him, they gave Israel Bonaconda the the lead running back role, and he just ran with it. The other game, Georgia Tech. So I don't know. Maybe there's something about Georgia Tech that just makes people have their worst game of the year, like we were talking about <laughs> with Drake May. Yeah. I don't know. But the, he followed it up with a 320 yard game and six touchdowns the the week after that. So I think, I think he, he bounced hurt? back. Did he get hurt in that Georgia Tech game? I can't remember. I think he might have got dinged up. He might have. I don't. I don't. He see did him get like, hurt during one of the games of the season. So yeah, that could be. Look, that could be the only the concern I have with. Oh, Izzy, it was. I'm sorry. I'm looking at a snap count. He has ten snaps. It had to be that game. Okay. Yeah, that makes more sense. Um, my only concern with Izzy is he didn't really catch passes. Wasn't really asked to. He caught twelve passes on the year, which is okay. Um, is he a in the James Connor mold, or is he somebody who can actually like catch passes and play on all three downs? I think that's my big question. But at the 210, I mean, we're just seeing the depth of this running back class because this is a guy who's going in the mid to early second in pretty much any other draft class. Yeah, no, I like that. I am concerned, though, because if I had to compare him to a prior prospect, I actually would compare him to my favorite from last year, which is Tyler Algier. And so I'm worried about him being scheme dependent where a lot of these running backs for a, a very rare class are like not scheme dependent, but I think he is scheme dependent. So he's kind of landing pot landing spot dependent and like those guys tend to not get drafted early like he might be a fourth or fifth rounder but like one of those fourth or fifth round running backs that you want to take because the the path to opportunity is clear so one of those types but um going on to my pick here at the, the 211 here another gross pick i just i'm just hating the second half of my second round here it's jalen hyatt um don't pick players you don't like that's you know that's why i like okay. that's well, why i like honest- Orm fall to 207 because i don't want him so i know he's going to go earlier than that but i'll like call him Dayton. Okay, so Jalen Hyatt, right? He's going to be really fast. He's going to push Devin Achain for being the fastest player out there. And we all know that the fastest player gets second-round draft capital for no reason. Anthony Schwartz, okay, Tyquan Thornton. It's every single year the fastest guy gets drafted early. They don't do anything and because everyone's chasing the next Tyreek Hill, the way they're trying to chase Josh Allen. But anyway, going forward to Jalen Hyatt, very productive hit all of his production came off of busted coverage gimmicky offenses i just don't he's not a technician he's got great size but he has no real footwork he's just a straight line guy and man i'm just annoyed but he has a path to draft capital he has a path to opportunity analytics back up this pick um the film does not so jalen hyatt someone else is gonna love him as soon as the offseason hits i'm gonna be like hey let me get a 24 second for this guy and they're gonna be like yeah bet dude here's your 24 second i'm gonna be like, bet perfect that's exactly <laughs> how it's gonna go 
Yeah, maybe if he ends up going in the first round, you might change your tune a little bit. But <laughs> then we can get a twenty-four first for him. There you go. Yeah. Higher than that. All about that return on investment, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's actually probably going to be a value here at two eleven as well. Very much so. Yeah. Going, he'll probably end up going before a lot of these guys. Um, but for me at two twelve, I'm going to uh, the team that I like to call myself a fan of. I'm going to Georgia and talking about the running back Kenny McIntosh here at two twelve. Um, guy who's been who's pretty good I, I picture him as kind of like a do-it-all guy right he's got the size he's a good pass catch right of the backfield he can rush i do think he had some inconsistent moments as a rusher this year um but he really excelled as a pass catcher uh brings a good size to the table like i said i think he's gonna make a team very happy as like their rb2 i don't know if i see this guy as a full scale thing maybe like colin was saying a lot of these guys moving towards committees now i think he can be a good part of a, a b in a committee um and he's a guy who's going to be able to do a little bit of everything for you so i'm going with kenny mcintosh here at 212. Yeah, then are you going to recap the round? Sorry, I didn't mean to jump. Yeah, I was, but I actually was going to wonder if you guys think oh. he can slide into like late second, early third with that Georgia bump because I think he's a better mm-hmm. prospect than James Cook. I know James Cook's got the name and he had the athletics, but as far as like actually playing goes, as far as passing backs, I think I think I'd rather Kenny McIntosh than, than James than uh, James Cook. That's Barring something like unforeseen through these playoffs here, it feels like James Cook had more hype. Now, am I wrong on that? Yeah. Like, no. for some reason, it just doesn't feel like Kenny McIntosh has the hype that maybe we expected he was going to get by the end of the season with the way he started the season with the pass catching and the whole James Cook thing, thinking he was going to take over that. But, you know, there, and there's been different guys like Dejon Edwards all of a sudden has a good game. And, and then even, um, what's his name, led uh, the return of uh, Kendall Milton led them in the in the conference championship last week. So it's like maybe some of those things are keeping him down, but he doesn't seem to be to that level. So I'm not sure if he's going to cre- creep up there. He's going to have the profile that everybody's going to look at and say, this guy should be like a back end of the day two draft capital running back. And I think he'll get there, but you're absolutely right, Corey. He does not have the hype that James Cook did even at this point in the year, and he's a better player. So I don't know what it is about him. I have not heard really any NFL people talking about him. So that worries me a little bit, but everything about his profile says he should be a back half of the day two guy. Yeah, and maybe and like and maybe he can blow up down this stretch here and, and, and have a really good playoffs and kind of put himself on the map. Kind of like James Cook really did help himself mm-hmm. through the playoffs. So yeah, his best run of his career. Anyway, all right, let's recap yeah. this. <laughs> the 201, we got Zach Charbonnet. 202, we got Cedric Tillman. 203, we got the first tight end and Michael Mayer. 204, we got A Rich, uh Anthony Richardson. 205, uh Condre Miller. Uh and then 206, we got Rasheed Rice. 207, we have uh, the dwarf Blake Corum at 208. We got Will Levis 209. We got Devin Achain 210. We got Izzy Abanaconda 211. We got Jalen Hyatt 212. Kenny McIntosh. Let's go into the third round. Colin, start us off. So I took Jace McClellan here on this one. And because we said when we were doing this that anybody who's 2023 eligible is yes. eligible to get taken for this draft here. I think if he declares were this running back class might be the deepest running back class I've ever seen. If, if all of these guys come out, like it's insane. Like Jace McClellan's going to have the profile that would warrant going in the early second. You know, he's coming from Alabama. He's hyper athletic. He's like six foot, 215 pounds, catches passes well, ran between the tackles well this year too. And he did all that while splitting carries with Gibbs. So I think he could be a very productive NFL back more productive in the NFL than he was in college up to this point. If he declares, if he does not declare, he goes back to Alabama 
I think we're talking about a guy who's going in the first round next year. First round of rookie mocks, probably not first round NFL. I don't I don't think he was that good between the tackles this year. We, we we did talk about it a little bit. He was there was I didn't I hadn't checked on him after that, but I remember we made him a topic of the show, I think, like in the middle of the year. And like once they got into conference play, his rushing like efficiency went down quite a bit. And I don't yes. remember if it picked up more. I, I'd have to go look at that, but I do remember it took quite a hit once conference play started. And then I know he's had a couple of big games when when Gibbs was out and stuff like that too. So maybe it kind of balanced out. But um, I, I don't think his big game was against a very tough opponent either, though. Was it Austin, Austin, Austin P. Austin P, right? Yeah. So um, Jareen Burton's only good game of the year too. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but I do remember. I do think I do think he comes back. I can't. I, I can't deny though his profile. I think he gets the draft capital. I think he's more like a third round pick type of player for uh for the NFL draft. But I, I, I could see his like career arc being similar to Damian Damian uh, Harris. Night mm-hmm. Damian Harris. No, Damian Harris. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Damian Harris. yeah. All right, sorry. Yeah. Okay, Aren't you so a anyway. fan? Yeah, I know, but I try to forget. <laughs> that is some fair weather fan bullshit after all the years you guys have had of success i'm a vikings fan okay talk to me about i try i'm a falcons fan too yeah Yeah. okay you you. got no sympathy from us okay well i mean the vikings have been fun to watch and i I can't even have fun watching the patriots and every single game i've watched this year we've lost by the way it's me i'm the reason why we're losing Super Bowl championships that's for sure yeah that's i mean we can't complain we got tom brady all right anyway moving forward uh chase mcclellan all right so at the 302 here, this was really hard for me, and I chose Romo Dunes. He's someone I've been intrigued about uh, for a while here. Um, he, I was giving, I think I was actually giving Colin some shit for this, and and the and when you were saying that you like Jalen McMillan more, you're hyping him up, and I'm just like, well, let's see about when they play tougher defenses, and it instantly switched up to Romo Dunes being the wide receiver one, and I was like, there it is. Um, but <laughs> I really the end of the year. Well, yeah, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, I don't I don't know what to make of him as a player. Uh, I think Austin nailed it because I, I couldn't figure out what I didn't like about his tape. And then I remember just hearing Austin be like, he doesn't offer enough and yak. And I'm like, that's it. That's it right there. He he's like does after he catches the ball, he just looks um like he doesn't plan ahead. You know, like so it's not like a smooth transition into a runner. And he's he's six foot three, two hundred. I think he should be able to shed a little more tackles than he has this year. Um, so he's a good receiver and I think he's above average in almost every single category you can think of, but except for yak. And when I think the NFL is moving towards more of a yak type of play. So, uh, he's here at the three Oh two, um, Michael Pence goes back. I imagine him, he might go back too cause he might want to win more. Uh, but Romo Dunze, my three Oh two, which I think it's a fine value of this pick too. Cause he's, he's a guy that's, I think, I think he can get taken in the second too as well. So anyway, Romo Dunze. 302 yeah and i think even just like the names are already saying it's just like how deep is this draft right now like even the guy i'm gonna pick here at 303 um i think could probably end up being a second round pick depending on who you talk to um and that's oklahoma wide receiver marvin mims um he's uh me and mike have talked about him a little bit before how we are low on him um he's a weird weird mix for his size and play style right like he kind of plays like a like an outside boundary wide receiver but has the body of someone you'd expect to be like a shiftier guy who can operate in the middle of the field and be more a little bit more elusive in the field. Like, honestly, sometimes when I watch him, like my comp is like Michael Gallup, like for the way he can like make crazy good grabs and, and go all over it, but like kind of not as exciting in the open field as I would expect or not as agile or not as, not as maybe um, explosive. You know what I mean? That, that I kind of expect from a guy that size. So he's a weird mix there, but the hype seems to be there. 
Um, I think he's somewhere he, – he's a top 10 wide receiver, at least on mock draft database right now. And I, I think the NFL is going to draft him. I'm just not sure what his role is going to be at the NFL level, so I am intrigued to see that. But at 303, I thought he was a good value here. So I'm taking he's, he's had, like, the quietest 1,000-yard receiving season yeah. of the year. So, really, I, yeah. I, but I, I'm with you though. He was mostly a deep threat, and that's really only where his value came from. This year, switched up a little bit. Um, he's someone I see get the draft capital, but I really don't. I don't like his play style. I don't like his profile. There's not a lot here I like besides like the analytical profile. Yeah, the analytical profile is going to be great. He's going to get the draft capital, I think. But I really like the Michael Gallup um, comparison there. I'll have to go back and kind of watch that. But I, I, I kind of like that based on the the what I saw prior to this year, because I wrote his profile for the Devi profile. And I was mm-hmm. like, I, I echoed you guys. I, I don't know what to do with him. Like he, he does some things. Well, he stretches the field really well, but he does it for like from the slot. He's also really good at contested catches and jump balls, but he's like five ten, five eleven. Yeah. It's, it's Just a weird a, mix. It's a weird mix. Yeah. Um, a three Oh four though. I'm wait, gonna wait, take. Wait. I'm sorry. I gotta pause here. His usage did change. I don't know if you guys realize this. He was a slot receiver, but he switched to being primarily wide uh, week six. So he went from yeah. 25% to 76%, and then he stayed above 76% the rest of the year on the wide position. Yeah, which is encouraging to see some of the inside-outside versatility. He did something similar last yep. year too, as well. If I if I'm not mistaken, I think. But I think he actually suffered once he moved into the slot, and it almost seemed like he would he did that again. But now he excelled moving back into the slot so yeah it's, it's kind of weird there's some versatility there though for sure yeah the 304 though you want to talk about versatility talk about my guy Jalen mcmillan not just a slot guy i think he's an inside outside guy um he played on the outside a decent amount um last year and this year too you know he's he's been my guy for a while here so uh, you know I, i've talked about him ad nauseum but if you're talking about him and roma dunze I think he's the safer player. I think he's the better overall player. Uh, he's just a technician. He's a good athlete as well. He brings something after the catch in Yak. Uh, but I do think Adunze has the higher ceiling because, like you said, he's 6'3", with 200-ish pounds. Um, he, he's really Adunze is good in the jump balls, contested catch. If he can clean up the Yak, I think he's the type of guy who could be a team's wide receiver one uh, in the NFL. But with Jalen McMillan, I think he's always going to be better as a complimentary guy. And I think we really saw that with Adunze. He was better when Adunze was out there taking a lot of the, the uh, you know, taking some of the pressure off of him. Because if you really wanted to focus and shut down McMillan, I think you could do it. Um, he's a very good receiver. I think the 304 is is a great pick for him, um, given how high I am on him. But uh, you know, so, so I think he's the type of guy he's probably going to test well at the combine, go in the, you know, day two somewhere. Um, so I, I have a lot of hope for him. Yeah, I think both these guys, Adunze and McMillan, are both good complimentary pieces on a starting NFL offense. Like they're not the one, but they're like a two or a three with some upside. We just yeah. haven't seen more. But anyway, yeah, hundred percent. Three oh five. I'm picking Evan Hall uh, <laughs> down on my notes here is the last catch is being back in the class. Um, but I forgot about another pine size pal that's coming up later. So, uh, but anyway, Evan Hall is a really good pass catcher. He also has great NFL size. Um, he's definitely, I feel like a lock for day three. I really don't think it's a day two guy, um, but one of those day three guys that will touch the field. And then maybe if the starting running back goes out, I think he can be elevated to a little bit more down the middle. Uh, but as far as like ceiling plays go, I don't really think he's a ceiling play, but 
you know, you can flip handcuffs for seconds. So, so return on investment again. <laughs> yeah. I like All that. right. Well, moving on to 306 here. Uh, this guy was already taken. Or, I mean, uh, has decided to return to school. I mean, sorry, not taken. And that's a uh, Washington quarterback, Michael Penix. Um, so this pick doesn't exactly work out, but he's probably going to have a good year next year. I also don't believe uh, in any kind of quarterback analytics. I never include them in anything. So I don't know if anybody's going to dig him for going back, but I also think that he could probably improve his stock even more if he has another big year. If also Jalen or Rome decide to stay as well with him. That's also a potential that I think could happen. Um, so I think he's set up for another big year and I think he could break his way into that, into that quarterback conversation next year. But uh, yeah, he's who I would have taken here at 306. I would have taken a chance on him here. I think it's a good pick to take a chance on him here. You know, he showed a lot this year. Um, he, he stayed healthy, which was the big thing. Yeah. So it'll be interesting I, to see if he can do that next year too. I, I do want to say this cause I, I've talked about it before with Barnabas Lee um he's just a lefty if he was a right-handed thrower i think he would be like a borderline first round pick for like an nfl team i really do believe <laughs> that because i just don't the ball spins it gets released different i don't think teams want their pass catchers to have to go through a transition like that so i think they'd rather not draft even risk a, sec, uh, a lefty so um but i i do think he i like michael panics a lot he's my he was my wire my number wire series excuse me my qb5 in the class coming in so Total leftist over here. Are you are you the type of guy? Or were you were you in Catholic school too? Do they tie your left hand behind your back so you couldn't use it? And yeah, slap no, you with no. a ruler. <laughs> um, three oh seven. Take Chase Brown here. I mean, he had a he had a fantastic year for Illinois. He was a, a big part of their success offensively uh, and part of that revival for them. I think he, you know, he's a he's a Senior Bowl guy, right? He's going. Uh, yes, he is. Yep, he accepted. Cool. Yep. Yeah, senior bowl guy. So he's got a chance to show out there um, at the 307. Again, just a testament to how deep this class is. I don't know if he's ever going to be the type of guy that you uh, that an NFL team just hands the reins to and says, go nuts. But he's going to be a really good backup. And if the guy ahead of him gets injured, I think he's the type of guy who can take a role, hang on to it for a little while, bounce around the league. He'll be he'll be a nice, valuable pick here at the third at the 307. All right, I switched up my draft strategy here at the 308, and I am taking Andre Yoshivas. Now, he's a Princeton wide receiver going to the Senior Bowl. Uh, I am going with the mystery box here because there's always a couple guys in the Senior Bowl that elevate their draft capital. I think it's going to be this guy. He has solid receiver play, great hands. He is athletically comped to a Quentin Johnson. Now, I'm not saying he's that type of level athlete on the field, but he is certainly much better athlete than a lot of the guys out there. So, I'm kind of banking on him showing out, uh, but I like Andre Yoshivash. I think he's going to throw out show out during the Senior Bowl. He's going to be the guy that raises his draft capital, and uh, usually, like the guy that like shows out there gets like round two draft capital. But I think he can get to to round three pretty simple here. But anyway, Andre is my big sleeper in the class. Can't wait for that to work out. Yeah, I haven't uh, taken one look at him at all. Neither. I just thought Chris Moxley took that pick. Yeah, so I got no takes on him. So my first look will really be at the Senior Bowl and really see what people are saying there. So I'll probably take a lot from there. But probably not a guy I'm going to be taking a lot of chances on, but I guess we'll see. Um, 309, I'm going to go with a guy a lot of us used to like quite a bit. And and I'm going to go back to Oklahoma because I already went here in this round. And I'm going to go with Eric Gray. Now this guy... Had a pretty sneaky good season this year. 1,300 yards. Again, more more quiet seasons at Oklahoma, but over 1,300 yards rushing. Um, had over 33 receptions as well. Almost 230, 
three yards uh, receiving, 6.4 yards per carry. I mean, he essentially became what we always hoped he would become. Plus, he already he put on the weight as well. We're talking about a guy who's at 212 pounds now. So maybe it's just a little bit of those old creep, those feelings creeping up again from those recruit days. But I'm seriously really digging Eric Gray's um, super potential in this draft. It looks like it came together for him as a rusher this year. Um, we know how much of a menace he can be in the open field. We know he excels as a pass catcher. So it's going to be a guy that I'm really going to watch through the process. He's also a senior bowl invite. So I think he could do good for his, his uh, draft stock there. Not a guy who's being looked at very highly, not very high in mock drafts right now. But I think he could do a lot for his stock here. So Eric Gray here at 309. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good pick. I mean, he's a guy that he showed out well here this year with Oklahoma, um, which is always going to parlay well into good draft capital there. So, you know, at the 309 here, I think it's a great pick. Um, my pick here, steal the draft, Dalton <laughs> Kincaid, uh, tight end from good Utah. Pick. Yeah, I mean, honestly, just kind of a guy that gets glossed over in the depth of this class, but... He had a phenomenal year this year for Utah. He was really the focal point of their passing attack this year. Um, I, I haven't. Ch- I should have checked out the Dominator rating for for him uh, heading into this uh, offseason here before the show, but it had to have been great. He's good, good size too, 6'4", 240. Like to see him maybe put on about ten pounds, but he's athletic as well. Uh, catches the ball really well. I think he's going to be a guy who uh, has a nice NFL career at the tight end position. Yeah, he's this actually is a steal in my opinion. I think I think <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was a good pick. Yeah. It was, uh he he uh we hate tight ends here, me and Cornette, but I do think he is the tight end two in this class. That's where I have him in my rankings. Uh and I like if I had to compare him to um last year's tight end one, I can't it's eluding me right now. Trey McBride. Trey McBride. I think he, I think he's on that spectrum of Trey McBride. So I really do think come rookie drafts and our next mock draft, I'm sure he'll be up back of the second, maybe early fir- early third. Uh, type of guy here in the draft, but and like your bull guy too, I believe as well, right? So he's probably going to get a lot of a lot of buzz out of that too. So yeah, he is. Uh, now my guy here, I went back to the tight end well because I got tired of not doing that. Uh, Darnell Washington, uh, UGA, Georgia, Georgia tight end here. He's six foot seven, like two two fifty or something monstrous like that. He is just an ultra athlete here. He's very similar, like on paper profile to Jelani Woods, except for I think Jelani Woods looks super awkward on the field. And I don't think Darnell Washington looks super awkward on the field. So I think he just offers a little more. He's he's big and athletic, but when you watch him play, he's not like he doesn't have a wiggle. He's not running crisp routes. That's just not what he does. But he has this massive frame with a massive wingspan, catches this ball, and it takes more than two guys to bring him down. So He's going to be a red zone target for me at the next level. And uh, Darnell Washington is my tight end three in the class. Yeah, I think he's actually currently the tight end two if you were to look at Mock Draft Database right now. So, yeah, he's got the NFL level. This is a guy that we really weren't in on for Debbie as well because he kind of looks a little bit lumbering out there. He looks a little bit like Mo Ali Cox, another guy from Indianapolis. Like that's kind of how he looks on the field. It's really big, but it could be some deceiving too. Sometimes these bigger guys are moving way faster than we even expect because they just look slow, but those legs are just wide apart, like those big strides, right? So uh, that'll be an interesting one for sure. Um, hopping over to 312 here, this is a guy that I can kind of picture as being – the power five version of the Tyler Algier from last year. And that's Chris Rodriguez out of Kentucky. Um, guy who's been pretty efficient throughout his career, had a little bit of a weird off season thing at the beginning of this year. I think, was it a DUI? 
I can't. I, I don't know. I'm asking the Kentucky guy. And he can't we even don't. Give me we don't answer. slander. We don't slander Kentucky players like that. So I, don't I don't know, know if it was. I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth. I don't know if that's actually what it was, but he was. He did have something that he was suspended for for a little bit. Came back. Looked like he didn't even miss a step. Powerful guy, over 220 pounds. I want to say. Um, had another great season this past year. So I think he's probably looking at more of a depth role like a Tyler Algier uh, this past season. But if he can break into that kind of role, he can still be valuable for our dynasty teams as well, especially in a in a backup situation. So I like the pick here. Yeah, he'll bounce, he'll stick around in the league for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's a he's a backup tier running back for me as well. Uh, let's recap now. The 301, we got Chase McClellan. 302, Romo Dunze. Uh, 303, we got Marvin Mims. 304, Jalen McMillan. 305, Evan Hall. 306, Michael Penix, who's going back. 307, Chase Brown. 308, Andre Yoshivas. 309, Eric Gray. 310, Dalton Kincaid. 311, Darnell Washington. 312, Chris Rodriguez. And now we're going to hit the fourth round in lightning mode. Let's go, Colin. Lightning speed. Rakeem Jarrett, 401 here. Like This is a former five-star wide receiver. Flashed a little bit in college, kind of disappointing overall, but getting a former five-star at the 401, I think that's a great pick. We're not even sure he's coming out yet, but I'll be interesting to keep an eye on that one. Yeah, with that logic, I should take Julian Fleming, but I'm not. At the 402, I'm taking Puka Nakua. <laughs> Puka Nakua is a BYU. Former high four-star, though. That's true. Yep. And uh, yeah. Washington to BYU transfer, not a year one zero. So he's been productive. Uh, I've talked about him before. I think he can be a flanker. At the NFL, not a route runner. He's not a technician like that, but he is very athletic. Should test well. Going to the Senior Bowl has the opportunity to raise his draft stock. Kind of a my guy here. Um, but I'm going to tell you guys what. If he goes to the draft and he gets drafted in the day three, I will not be taking him a rookie draft. So i got to end on that. That was the slowest hitting lightning I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it was a double strike. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. At 403, I'm taking the guy who's probably going to go a lot earlier in this draft if it wasn't for an ugly ACL injury last month. And I'm taking Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker. Should be ready by September. Hopefully that's 11 months out from the injury. So hopefully he can still make an impact in year one. And hopefully someone still puts some draft capital into him. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that pick there here. And this one, I, I'm kind of surprised he was still available given the hype he had before. Uh, Parker Washington, wide receiver from Penn State. But I don't think it's a given that he comes out. And he had a little bit of a disappointing year, although he really picked it up towards the end of the year and led uh, Penn State in, in receiving yards. Um, so I think that this is he's a guy that is uh, going to be a better pro than a college player. I think he's a really dynamic player, but he's probably going to be a slot guy mostly. You're on mute. At the 405, I got John Domingo here. He has been disappointing, but not the same disappointing as Rakeem Jarrett. He's just always been hurt, but does show out here and there. Going to the Senior Bowl, gets to prove what he's got. He's got the athleticism. He has some production. Next. All right. 406, I'm going with a my guy here. I'm taking Zay Flowers at a BC. I am on record saying probably the – most menacing player in the open field as a wide receiver in this draft over Josh Downs, over anybody you can actually think. It's everything else that doesn't exactly go well for him sometimes. You know, a couple drop balls here and there. I wish he played a little bit tougher. And I think that's part of the reason that maybe he's not viewed at so highly in the NFL. But um, Senior Bowl wants him. So get over there, Zay Flowers. Uh, 406, Zay Flowers. 
I like that pick there too. Um, this is another steal of the draft here. Deuce Vaughn, the 407. I mean, other than being 5'6", I mean, this guy's done everything you want in, in college. Yeah. I mean, he's got uber production, catches the ball really well. Um, you know, when when Mike said about Evan Hall being the last pass catching back available, I said Deuce Vaughn would like a word because uh, <laughs> this guy can he can do it all. And and he is honestly so small that it kind of works for him. Sometimes he gets lost behind the line and you just pop out and go. The size definitely concerned whether he can lead a backfield, which is why he's still available here. But I'm taking I'm taking a shot on him here. That's great. Value. One, co- one comment here. If there's one person that I'd ever pick as the unicorn to become Austin Eckler, it's going to be Deuce Vaughn. He even kind of looks like yeah. him when you watch him, honestly. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's a nice special teams player there. At 408, <laughs> I'll be taking Jaden Reed, uh, the Western Michigan transfer to to Michigan, Michigan State. Uh, he's been productive, a little bit injury here and there. He just hasn't been in the spotlight. I think the whole school just hasn't been in the spotlight. But I feel like he's the forgotten guy here. Uh, going to the senior bowl has an opportunity to really prove himself out there, but he has been productive every time he touches the field. Oh uh, yeah. 409. I'm heading over to Iowa state taking their big lengthy wide receiver and Xavier Hutchinson uh, finalist for the Blitnikoff this year. Uh, finally broke a thousand yards this year as well. Always kind of been a steady force over there. Never really kind of got the recognition he kind of deserved in my opinion. Um, but it's going to the senior bowl. It could make some name for himself, probably more of a possession outside wide receiver uh, that maybe is limited at the, athletically but a good pick here at 409 yeah i love that pick i i like xavier hutchinson a lot i think if this class wasn't as deep as it was like he would have gone earlier same with the guy that i'm going to take here at the 410 trey palmer um Mm -hmm. another senior bowl guy he's gonna have a chance to rise here there was midway through the year he was leading the nation in receiving yards uh he had a fantastic year former four-star wide receiver from LSU transferred in offers some special teams versatility inside outside versatility, good size, six, one, like one ninety ish. Um, fantastic pick here at four ten. Again, just the depth of the class pushing down the board. All right. At the four eleven here, I I'm trusting my guy, Felix Sharp here, who when he's, <laughs> when he's not busy uh, being a, a Twitter personality with his, his blue shoes, his monster nines and his, his shirt with just buttons popping off. Uh, <laughs> he does some really good quarterback analysis. And I think that's just great. Um, but anyway, so I'm going with Jake Hayner here, Fresno quarterback. He's a senior bowl invite. And I'm really just, I'm just betting on my guy, Felix, who just knows quarterbacks. I can't think of a guy that knows quarterbacks the way he does. Carson Strong. Hey, yeah. I, hey, <laughs> hey. No comments. We're going next. All right, 412. I think the award for the grossest draft goes to Mike through this thing. He's got, yeah. he's got a nice Will Levis, Jake Hayner thing going on. That's a nice combo for it. It's just a senior right. bowl trend here on this final round. Now let's go. Come on. Yeah, right. All right, 412. Last pick of the draft, Mr. Relevant. I'm going with Roshan Johnson, running back out of Texas. Has looked pretty decent backing up uh, Bijan Robinson. Has has progressed yearly as a converted quarterback as well, kind of really came into his own this year. I don't think he's going to be anything huge on the next level, probably just a backup running back, but somebody's going to the senior bowl and should be able to brown nose his way into some decent day three draft capital. He's a guy I think NFL is going to like, so I like that pick. Yeah. All right, let's recap here. We got 401. We got the disappointing five-star in Rakeem Jarrett. I hope you hit the portal. 402, we got Puka Nakua. 403, we got Hennon Hooker. 404, Parker Washington. I got no idea what to do with him in my rankings. 405, we got Jonathan Mingo. Uh, 406, we got Zay Flowers from the Shrine Bowl. 407, we got another pine-sized pal here in, in Deuce Vaughn. Uh, 408, we got Jaden Reed. 409, we got 
a guy that can't separate at Xavier Hutchinson. 410, we got Trey Palmer. Uh, 411, we got Jake Hayner. And then 412, we have Roshan Johnson. You guys, this episode has been great. Uh, I wish it could go on for hours and hours. Uh, it has. <laughs> yep. Time flies when you're having fun. Colin, do you have any closing remarks? No, just very glad to be finally invited on the show. Uh, I took a lot of lobbying behind the scenes, but uh, you know I, I pay those lobby, lobbyists well. Uh, I, I love what you guys do here. I mean, this is the best Debbie show on the Campus to Canton Network, the only Debbie show, really, but don't let that mm -hmm. fool you. It's still very mm -hmm. good. The chemistry that you guys have uh, is, is fantastic behind the mic. You guys can tell you have a lot of fun recording and stuff. So I, I had a lot of fun on this one. I always love listening back to Debbie. Uh, and uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks for Thank coming you. on, Colin. Appreciate Thank it. Thanks for coming on. Yes. All right. That about concludes it for the night, you guys. Make sure you're checking out the entire Camp Scan podcast feed. We have a lot of YouTube content coming out, so make sure you're checking out YouTube, especially with the transfer portals. Corey and I will be back next week with a transfer portal episode. We got to do coaching carousel too. I'm already planning that ahead, Corey. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> All right, guys, that's wraps it up. Good night and good luck.